Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. We're going to talk about faith today, right? And remember, do not uh, disengage this morning just because we're talking about something you've heard maybe 100,000 times because you need to be strengthened by it. You need to grow in it, and there may be some capacities you've never heard before, okay? But this was our text last week, and I want to go back to it today in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Classic only today. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live. But Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So in this passage of Scripture, we see a few things that are really important. Number one, you need to understand who is the I that doesn't live anymore. It's no longer I who live. What does that mean? Well, we, we'll discuss that because it says the life I live, I now live in the body. So the body is not you. You are not this outward suit. You are somewhere deeper within. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And so the body's not you, but since you're in it, I said since you're in it, then you got to determine how you live. And he says the life I live, this word life means to exercise the function, to live means to exercise the functions of life. The life I now live in the body, I hear it is live, that word live is the to exercise for the functions of life. How do you exercise the functions of life? That's a great question because many do not do it by faith. They do it on their own thoughts. The Bible is very clear. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end lies death. So he makes his own path. He directs his own steps. But in the end, separation, separation, separation. He never lives up to the fullness of God, even if he gets the fullness of the world. For the Bible says, what good is in a man if he gains the whole world? But what does he do? Forfeit his soul. Meaning, I never in my soul realm whereby emotions lie, my feelings, my intellect, my will, in that area, I never transform it so that it conforms to God's word. I only do mine. And no matter how much we seem to gain in the natural, we are bankrupt and broke. And every soul knows it. They know it. So we have to understand it's no longer I who live, meaning it's not that you're not alive. It means that you are choosing to say, what does Christ say? Because if I'm going to live this life now in my body by faith, then what I'm saying is, is I'm saying, what would the king say? How would the king respond? What is his direction? All right? And the reality is we've lived on our own thoughts for so long, some of us is very difficult to let go of them. But it's those very same thoughts that's got us in so many trouble, so much trouble. And we should be quick. And it's amazing. I don't care how long you've been in the church, you cannot live by faith. Coming to church does not guarantee you'll live by faith. In fact, you can come to church, 
quit living by faith and learn to start living by your own actions by using the word and you'll be coined by Jesus a hypocrite. Because who Jesus called a hypocrite were not people who didn't hear his word, but who would not apply his word, would not have the revelation of that word be what they govern their lives by and live by. They like their idea of God better than God's idea of God. And I don't care how long you've been in church, you can shift from God's idea of God to your idea of God. And the day you shift, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, then, what is faith? It, it tells us here, the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance, it's the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So faith is this firm persuasion that what God says is the reality more than my reality. Now that's easier said than done, and it's easier to amen. But faith is not about just acquiring something, although it seems as though the church has reduced faith to believing for something. I wish we would believe to keep our emotions together. I wish we would believe for the fruits of the Spirit in a moment when it's required instead of just responding emotionally. Because there's so many believers that will not respond in patience, will not respond in self-control, will not respond in long-suffering, will not respond in kindness, will not respond in goodness, will not respond in joy. They'll absolutely cry, whine, and complain about the situation and then talk about believing God. Yeah, when God's like, well, believe me for the fruit that you have joy in the midst of the problem because I actually told you to consider it all joy. So why are you complaining all the time? Why are you walking around all mope-faced? Why are you walking around and, and, and mad at your wife or your husband and beating them up with your words because of the problems you're going through? Let's operate in faith in that life. But man, we'll believe God for a boat. Believe God for a promotion. Believe God for a bigger house. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Again, this firm persuasion that faith is. What is faith? It's a firm persuasion. He says, he staggered not at the promise of God <laughs> through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being, here it is, fully persuaded. That what he said, that's God, what he had promised, he was a also able to perform. So Abraham is like, God said this thing, I'm not going to doubt it. I believe him at his word. In fact, I'm saying what he said, because I call myself Abraham now. I'm a father of many nations. Although my wife's barren, she can't have no kids, but we're going to keep operating as if she can. And I'm believing she will, because he called me a father of many nations. She's going to have to have that child. I said she's going to have to have that child. Are you hearing me? So he knew the child was coming. Fully persuaded means to fill one with uh, any thought, 
Conviction is an inclination is to know for certain. Last week, we talked about what does a firm persuasion feel like in us, you know, and even though we don't go by our feelings, but it lets us know how our mind is set that we are so confident. I talked to you about two plus three equals, and I said, how many of you, if somebody walked in with a gun and put it at your head and says, you have to answer this mathematical equation or you will literally die, what is two plus three? How many of you would be like, bring it on? I am not afraid one bit, right? And you were confident. So I said, this week I was going to bring a different equation. Well, when I was in pre-calculus class this week, because our 11th graders are in pre-calc, I was like, well, they ain't ready for that. <laughs> we'll get that a little bit later on in the, in the series. We'll come back and bring that equation. Are you hearing me? So, with that being said, again, 2 plus x equals 5. Solve for x. How many of us would be confident in that equation? Now, some of you, for the minute you heard it, you're like, huh? But if you think about it long enough, you already really know the answer. But there is a way to solve for that, not just knowing it. There are steps. Oh. And this is the thing of faith. I know faith, but when I know that I know, there may be steps involved in solving what I already know, and I got to go through the steps for it to come to pass. And then I'll check my work to keep my confidence. See, this is the difference between some people teaching about faith and others is that people that don't understand faith or what faith really is and how it functions, they'll say, oh, now, brother, you can't just sit there and say it's going to be like that, you know. You got to keep, got to be humble like we can't know what God knows. Well, it's like, you know what? Well, if the Lord's will, I'll know what two plus three equals. Well, I already know what the Lord's will is. It's five. Right? So if I'm like, I know the answer. Oh, brother, be humble now. Well, if the king told me how to handle my situation, I said, if the king told me my situation, it would be arrogance for me to be like, well, I, 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 I think I know the answer. But, you know, I want to act like I know more than anyone else. I don't want anyone else to feel bad because they don't know it. I mean, when you're taking a test, are you really concerned that you're going to look better than anyone else in the classroom? Half of you like, I got the best grade. Bam. <laughs> right? You're like, what'd you get? I got 100. <laughs> you know, when you get your 100, you're like, I got 100. I mean, you're like, I got a, a plus, actually. Oh, you got an A. That's cute. I got a plus. A plus. <laughs> Oh, you're so arrogant. No, that's called confidence. There's a thing about confidence in God's word. No, I know I have it because the king has said it. Amen? So we're fully persuaded. So then we saw this, and um, we're getting close to, to where we're going today. Romans chapter 10, verse 16 and 17, New King James says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who will believe our report? I need to say this verse 16 because 16 qualifies 17. And for years, I think the common thought concerning faith is that faith only comes from God. But by 
pure definition, faith is a firm persuasion, verse 16 actually is qualifying that faith comes and there can be a faith not of God and a faith in God. I'm going to say that again. There can be a faith not of God and a faith. You know, there are some people that are firmly persuaded that when you die, you don't go to hell. You just cease to exist. They're firmly persuaded. And they live their life like that won't happen. There are people who are firmly persuaded that love is abusive. Okay. That's why they keep going to, from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship because that's how they were introduced to love or what they thought was love or what was told them was love. And so they keep looking for it. Amen. There are some that never get out of certain living conditions because they're convinced they could never go past that. Because they've been told they'll never amount to nothing. You'll never make it. They've been verbally abused. And when I say verbally abused, I mean they've been told who the world says and the devil says they are in order to keep them from their potential. And they believe it. They're firmly persuaded. So 16 is a qualifier because what it's saying is, listen, some, some things have been spoken and Isaiah was saying, I've got a word from the Lord that I'm talking, but they don't believe my report. They actually believe a different word. So that's why it says, so then faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing, period. But 17 then qualifies uh, how our faith should be heard or what word we should be hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing, guys, but your hearing should be from the word of God. You should put your firm persuasion in what God has said, not in just any report. I said not just in any report. Which means then every one of us in the room have to now stop how we think we're thinking. And question, literally, should I believe that? Does that line up with what God says? Okay. And we learned last week, I don't have time to go through it, but this was a very powerful truth for me that I began to see more clearly. Jesus only did what the Father said. He is the pinnacle of a person who lived by faith because he said, I only do what the Father says, which means I'm only saying, doing, healing, moving in power because it's required of dad for my life. In fact, I would submit to you, his faith would have been stagnant or of no effect if he was not operating in his purpose. And where most be people, believers, especially in the church today are missing it, is because they are trying to believe God outside their purpose. They're trying to live their life and want God to bless it with his word. Jesus says, I, I'm only doing what I was sent to do. I wasn't sent to build a mansion. I wasn't sent to build a business. I was, see, he stayed in his purpose. 
See, if you look at all the people in the Bible that did great exploits by faith, it's because they were doing the assignment they were called to do. I said they were doing the assignment. The reason why Daniel and Joseph had such great faith is because they were in the position God ordained for their lives, not trying to do their own thing. And we've got a gospel in the United States that we tie to the scripture that most believers are actually running after and trying to act like it's God's best when it's really just the American gospel, or we call it the American dream. Have a good job with good benefits, making plenty of money, and helping your kids get a better one than you. That's not the Bible. The Bible's not like, that's, that's all that matters. And we won't follow God. We'll move places for a job, but not for a church. Church is just something that we do. Which is a very big problem. Because Jesus is actually the head of the church, which means of me. We're actually the body of Christ. And if church is what you do, then you're actually not a part of the church. You just want to be associated with the church. Which means you don't draw your life from it. Jesus was unapologetic about things he said concerning his kingdom. Seek. Not, listen, I know you're working a lot. Of, I know you're working. I mean, I know you're working. And I know you put in a lot of hours this week. And man, seriously, you should have the weekend. I mean, who, who am I to ask you to come and sit around life? I mean, God forbid, right, that Jesus, the head of the church, would require you to show up where he can fill you and give you the answers to all life's problems and how to overcome and conquer. Surely, because again, this is how you want God to be. Surely God understands that I worked hard this week. Well, first of all, Jesus never told you to work hard. Okay. He said this. He said, if you love me, if you love me, you're going to love me with all your heart. Well, now, Lord, I gave you my heart. I love you. I asked you to come to my heart and save me. I love you. You know I love you. I didn't stop there. All your heart, all your soul. I want your feelings mine. I want them all. I want them to be directed. I want your intellect. I want your decision making. Then he goes and on and goes beyond that. Oh, your, your heart, soul, mind. Then he says this, and strength. He never asked you to go work 40 to 60 hours laboring so you're so tired that you think church now is an option. And he understands. No, your week should be an outflow of your assembly. Because if your week is an outflow of your assembly, then you're not calling telling me how tired you are. <laughs> but we'll believe God for more jobs, more contracts, where we can tell God 
Oh, man, I'm meddling, I guess. Where we can tell God, you know how hard I've worked this week. And the Lord's like, well, I mean, why are you giving it to the man? Well, Lord, I'm doing this so that I can give to you. Well, you need to give to me because it's you giving to me that allows me to give to you. But I'll never give to you that takes you away from me. Because you understand what I told my, my nation. When you get into the land where you're in houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant, don't forget me. But you done forgot me. Why? Because you're tired. You need your, your own self time. Myself died with Christ. I don't live. I don't have a self life. I have an in him life. And my in, life, in him life is like empowering. It's like purposeful. It's like, oh, I breathe while I sleep, while I drink. It's where my fruit comes from. It's where my nour nourishment. I mean, he is the bread of life. And he empowers me. And Jesus said, you know, if anybody could have been talking in the garden. Dad, you know how many people I've healed because you've asked me to do this? You know how many demons I've cast out? You know how many times we fed people? And now I got to go get beat up. I got to get stripes put on my back. Now, I need a day. No, Jesus had days. You know where his days were? It said he would often get up early, long before anybody else. You want self-help? Get up early before everybody else. Get in the Word, pray in the Holy Ghost. And you'll finally get some help. Sometimes he'd pray all night. Why? Because he would say to his body, shut up. Shut up. You're not going to stop me from doing my purpose. He'd tell his mind, shut up. He'd tell his emotions, shut up. When Peter's like, may it never be. I will kill whoever tries to kill you, Jesus. He was like, shut up. The emotions, you're not getting emotionally attached here. You just go ahead and speak it like it is. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you set your interest on the interest of man, not on the interest of God. You're trying to play with my emotions right now. You're trying to act like this relationship so important that I can't do the will of God. No, 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 I'm a man of faith. Let me just say it this way. When we all get to heaven, <laughs> many are going to be utterly shocked at what that actually looks like. Because it will not be vacation. Where's my house, Lord? I'm going to just go and put my stuff in, whatever you give me, right? You know, I'm just happy with a shack up there. You know, you don't have to give me any big extravagant stuff. Are we going to lay up in our mansion? The Lord's running the universe. Oh, I made it. Man, you need to read the back of the book. So faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Look at what it says in the Amplified. It says, so faith comes by hearing what is told. And what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of the Christ, the Messiah himself. 
This is where our faith should come from. But faith comes from what's being told. You know, there's a lot of things being told out there. Told how you're supposed to respond to a pandemic. Told how you're supposed to raise your children. Told how um, you're supposed to educate your kids. Told how you're supposed to do practices uh, with your kids at such a young age that it keeps them out of church because they won't make it. Told. A lot of opinions out there that people are basing their belief system on. They're firmly persuaded. They, it governs their life. I said it governs our life. Do you understand? We can have a natural faith and don't need God involved with it in one sense. You can develop enough of a firm persuasion. I remember one time I was firmly persuaded in a competition. Firmly persuaded. I was lifting my senior year in the 132-pound class. Weightlifting. We did bench and clean and jerk. You had three lifts and bench, three lifts and clean and jerk. You started at a particular uh, weight. You would jump up to the second lift. It had to be at least 10 pounds. If it was a five-pound jump, it's your last lift, period. You can only do a five-pound jump between at your last lift, per se. So you always had to go higher. You could go 20, 30, 50 pounds. It didn't matter. You know, but if, if you're going to only do five, that next lift's your last lift. So, you know, we had this uh, weightlifting competition in, uh, at Santa Fe High School in Alachua, Florida. It was a county-wide competition. So you had 6A schools like Buholtz, um, you know, big school. And then you had this little schools, you know, um, that were in the county. Um, probably P.K. Young would have probably been the smallest one at the time. I think we were 2A. Newberry was 2A at the time. And so I lifted in the 132 until county. Because when county come, I dropped. Now, I never weighed 132 pounds in high school. <laughs> it never happened. I never made the pinnacle. I didn't get there. I was about 126. So I had to shave off three pounds to get into the 123-pound class during the regular meets and showed up. And all of a sudden, here's a guy that all the 123s don't know about because they've not followed it on the paper. They don't know I exist. But I exist. So we got down and we finished our bench. And at the end of the bench, I was in third place. The guy from Santa Fe, or the guy from Eastside, I believe, was actually in first place. And then the guy from Santa Fe was in second place, and I was in third. Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, competition. There's a little banter that begins to happen. You know, you try to size yourself up, you know. You begin to ask questions, you know, like, what are you going in at? What are you, what's your starting weight? What, what are you going to put on the bar that you're going to start your competition with? And, you know, and strategy is don't tell them. So, you know, I'm, the guy from Eastside, obviously he's in first place, but he don't know nothing about me. He can't look at my records. He don't know what I've done in the past. And typically, you know, in high school, uh, most of the time the bench is the strongest of all the athletes. The clean and jerk typically is way less than what they bench. Okay, we're not just talking deadlifts here. We're talking clean and jerk. You got to bring it up and get it over your head at the same time. Or, well, not the same time, but over your head, ultimately. Okay? And so um, I wouldn't tell him. Well, if your weight that you're coming in passes, you can't go back. Once it hits 135 and then if someone goes to 140, well, you don't get to go and say, oh, sorry, I want to do 135. Too bad. You're doing 140 now. That's how that is. So you got to go sign in with the judges, your start weight. I didn't sign in. So the boy from Eastside's like, 135, he's in. I think it may be 145. 145, he's in. 
Well, then he did the traditional jump of 10, 155. I'm not even signed up, which means I can't go back. So he knows I'm going in a weight that you're already doing. I'm not even started. I think he ended up doing a, uh, the five-pound jump from there. Maybe he did a 10 at 160, 165. He's finished, and I haven't even showed up yet. Are you hearing me? Now, why is this? Because what he doesn't know is that I have confidence. See, I have faith in my ability to perform because I've put in the work, and I know what I've already done, what I've already done. I've already won. I'm not one to meet because I was in a higher weight class, and those boys were pushing way more than me. But I'd be like fourth place. You know, you don't even make papers on fourth place. And so the guy from Eastside went in at 165. He jumped up, I think, to 175, and that's where I jumped in at, at 175. I hit the 175, good lift, dropped it. The next guy jumped five pounds, did 180. And my coach came over and says, Earl, if you do 195, you win the whole thing. That's a 20-pound jump. 195, win the whole thing. Now, here's the thing. I've done 200. So how, how confident do you think I am right now? How firmly persuaded do you think I am? Do you think I was sweating? Do you think like, Lord, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do it today. I just don't know. I was like, one, 20 pound, 195, second lift. I was confident. I had faith. This had nothing to do with God in one sense. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of people who are firmly persuaded about their abilities and what they're doing, and God's not even in the equation, and they're winning. I, I mean, I can show you a lot of athletes that Jesus Christ is not their Lord, and they have championships. They cuss like crazy. They drink like crazy. They womanize. Their whole lifestyle is not of the kingdom culture. And they can say praise God all they want to to their mama, but they ain't living right. There's no faith in God there. So I got up underneath the weight. Coach Bass was on one side. My friend, childhood friend Chad was on this side. There's a spotters. I got down, and there's three lights, right, because the judges do lights. They hit the lights, and you got to get two out of three to be a good lift. you got to bring it up to here, right? You can't roll it up. You can't, you can't do that. It's got to hit here, and then you drive it off. You can't press it. You have to drive out from underneath it. My suit's a little tight, so I'm not going to perform, I think, today. Amen. <laughs> so I got down to get my second lift. This wins the whole county competition. I go to, you know, put my butt down, get my back straight look, and all of a sudden behind the lights was the, the, the Santa Fe guy standing like this, <laughs> staring me down. So, I got it. Held it right here. Boy, I was jacked. I mean, the testosterone, the adrenaline, it's all like kicking right now. You know, because I got this, bro. So, I'm here, right? And I, boom, threw it. I threw it up so hard and so fast, dropped out of it, that it actually got behind me. And I knew, ah, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> this is a problem. So, in milliseconds, I decided... I'm coming out. I'm not going to try to win it on this lift. 
I just let go and walked out. Now, Chad didn't spot right. We about snatched Coach Bass all the way across the mat because he caught his, and Chad's hit the ground, you know. And so, you know, second lift no good. Now it's down to my last lift. Coach Bass came over there, and you can't do this now in school because people get, you know, all tight about it. But he, walked, he said, come on, man, you know you got this. And he popped me on the butt. You got this now. So I got back up underneath. Now, here's the thing. I didn't let an experience hinder my belief because I got it. I've done more. And I pushed this thing so hard already. It's so like to me, it got behind me. I just got to have a little more control. So I got back down. And you know who's staring. So this time I pulled it here. And this, this is it. You win or lose. So I winked. And I won the lift. Why? Because I was firmly persuaded. I got it. Which means adversity, the taunting of a, the enemy, so to speak, didn't hinder me, didn't mess me up mentally. That's all he was doing. He was only trying to get in my what? Trying to get in my head. He was trying to intimidate me. He was trying to say, you really can't do it. Then he actually had something. The second one was like, bro, you blew the last one. He didn't say that, but you know, his body language was like, right, I got this one. I'm thinking, if you, if you think I got it, why don't you sit down? Because you know I got this, bro. Amen? We got to be like this with the enemy. We have to be like this when it comes to God's word. That we're so firmly persuaded that we're not going to let, you know, we're believing and maybe we didn't do everything right in our faith right then, but I'm going to gain my composure because I know I got it. And I don't care how many times the enemy's staring at me, trying to intimidate me and act like I can't get this. I got the word. And this lift's happening. It's happening. Period. Now, with that being said, look at Matthew, or um, the message side of this scripture. It says, the point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Nothing to listen to. I can guarantee in this room, there are some still today that there are some that have already overcome, that your biggest problem is you keep listening to a parent talk to you. You had a parent that said things to you that you still have playing in your mind. You have a classmate. You have a experience. Something is telling you. Some have a people group talking. Reminding you of your past, where you came from. Make sure you don't ever forget all your problems and what you didn't have and what you haven't been afforded. Not recognizing that really, I'm dead to all that. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm in a whole new kingdom. My kingdom's never lost a battle. I'm part of a species of being that have never been enslaved anymore. Never been defeated. Never been overcome. Will always conquer. Will always triumph. 
So I put on the new man because the old man's dead. And when I put him on, I don't let no other voice dominate my thinking in any situation in life. Listen to what it says here in uh, Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. Jesus, again, trying to get to the minds of the uh, disciples. He says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Why does he want this? What is your faith in me? Because faith comes by hearing. And faith comes by hearing, period. So you either got to get your hearing in God's word because somebody's talking. I said, somebody's talking. So he says, who do people say that I am? They say, some say John the Baptist. He was a great guy. Others say Elijah. He was pretty powerful. Some say Jeremiah. He was an awesome prophet too. He said, or one of the prophets. And then he said, but he said, but who do you say that I am? Then Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, look what he says now. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not tell you that. When he says reveal, me, you didn't, you're not hearing what flesh and blood's saying. You're not believing in what they say about me. But my Father who is in heaven has said something to you, and you are believing that. So you've got to ask yourself the question, what is your Father saying to you? What is your Father saying to you? Now, let me just go ahead and say this. If you're not in his word, Dad's not talking. Because God talks through his word. Now, he can't speak to you by his spirit things that's true. But you'll always be limited to his voice if you're not in the word. And I can tell you, there's a lot, even in this room, like, you know, I really don't have to read the Bible. I mean, God talks to me. I'm telling you, a lot talks to you. And you're too proud to admit it. Because you do more testing of faith than you do actually living by faith. What you do is you start on a path and you go and it falls apart. And eventually when something comes, you give God credit for stuff that some things God's not even doing. Some of you are getting jobs that God never ordained, but the devil did. He just keeps setting you up. Because you can't distinguish between the voice. Why? Because you're not in the word. You cannot know what he's saying without being in the word. Well, I'm not a great reader. Well, then go to God and ask him to continue to teach you. Or go ahead and get a tutor to help you learn how to read better. Because at the end of the day, God is not well that we do not become proficient at reading and studying his word. We must become people that get in the word, read the word. I'm talking cover to cover now. So we get context of our Heavenly Father. That way, when he does speak to us by the Spirit, we can go back to his written document and say, that is exactly how he would say that. That is exactly how he is. Just like Pastor Marcus, one time when we were um, over at another location, a guy showed up and said to me, hey, Pastor Earl, I'm here, you know. I told you I would come back. I'm like, well, praise God. Good to see you, you know. I mean, first of all, I don't remember you telling me you were coming back the other time, but whatever, I'm glad you're here because I know what I'm fixing to say. Well, that individual immediately went over <laughs> to Pastor Marcus and said, I'll be doing worship with you today. I just spoke to Pastor. I told him I would come back, you know, when the Lord told me to come, and I'm here, and so he knows, and I'm going to go get my guitar out of the car, and I'm going to do worship with you today. Now, I'm glad that Pastor Marcus was around me. He's been in my leadership lessons. He's been in my staff meetings. He's been in all the meetings that define my voice. 
that he didn't go, well, okay, praise the Lord. Come on up, brother. <laughs> he knew immediately. Pastor Earl don't sound like that. He does not sound like that. He said, no, no, you're not doing worship today. Now, what happens is, is you're going to have to come to the church. You'll partner with the vision. And then you'll go through our support and ministry class. Then, if you want to get on the worship team, then we'll do an audition. And, man, we would love for that to happen. to be awesome. He was encouraging, but just let him know, bro, you ain't up on here because that's not the voice of the pastor. Now, you know how many people would be like, well, who's a pastor? Think he is if God really told him. First of all, God did not tell him. Because if God did tell that, he would have told me, and I would have allowed him. But he didn't. He let me stay with protocol because God did tell me. You let them be a vision partner. You cast the vision because if they don't know the vision, they perish. That's biblical. Then you're going to teach them how to do ministry because they're not doing it for you. They're doing it for me. Then you will allow them to be able to be in an area. And if it happens to be music, we're going to have to find out their quality. Because we're not going to train you on the platform. Meaning, I don't even know where GCD is. You're not playing. Right? We've got to determine where's the skill set at. Where are we at? Then we've got some other things to say to you. Like, God's not impressed with your talent. God doesn't care that you can play good. God don't care if you can sing and peel paint off the wall. Because if you don't have an anointing and a heart for God, you are a clanging cymbal. Because we know the heart of our Father. Never seen that person again. Well, because that person can't function in his church. Now, he can function in other places that do God their idea. I mean, I know people who, who are in ministries right now that have failed miserably. But the minute they arrived at those churches, because I know they failed miserably. And they've not repented. I know this. And the minute they go to those churches, they're already on platforms. I'm blown away by that. Like, wow. What's wrong with these pastors? I guess it's their church and not his. All right. Just say amen anyway. Mark chapter 4, verse 23 to 24 says this. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and you will hear. And to you who hear, more will be given. Look how it says in the Passion. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. Then he said to them, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you, and according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. Now, this is obviously in context of the parable of the sower, and this is where the word or the seed, word of the kingdom or the word itself is being sown, and based upon how a person hears will determine how it produces. Right now, in this sanctuary, with all the people that are here, Everyone is hearing the message different, every one of you, because you're hearing it through your paradigm. You're hearing it through your paradigm. Some of you are hearing it through your issue. Some of you are hearing it through your past. 
Some of you are hearing it while something else is speaking to you about what you're hearing right now. So how you hear will, be, will determine what the word can do. Well, I wish they preach better. I wish you hear better. Because Jesus was the best preacher. And they crucified him. So how were they hearing? You know what they heard? They heard this guy is going to give everybody the opportunity to be in their own power, yet then walk in love and unity with one another where nobody's going to be higher than anyone else. I don't think I like that. Because I want people to depend on me. And they can't champion with somebody else's being used or whatever and can't step aside. So how you hear, but here's the thing. What about your natural hearing? Why is it that the doctor can say something about you and you believe it? Because it's words. Well, yeah, but they took a blood test. They said this was it. I don't care that cancer's in your body. Doesn't matter. Got a testimony before service today of someone who went because there was a lump in their breast. But the word of the Lord came through a saint in the church that called out tumors, growths in a service. They had a growth. They knew it because they felt it, but they have not got it tested. So when they called them up, they had to make a decision. Do I go? They, of their own admission, said didn't want to come, but yielded anyway. And then the one, which was the saint, not me, not a pastor, not a five-fold minister, not a guest minister, but the one who delivered the word of knowledge by the Spirit, laid hands on them, and they went, did a biopsy, and it's benign. Hallelujah. Well, now you know what the naysayers say. Well, it was probably benign all, this, all the while. Well, who says that? See how quick we want to believe to not believe God. We would much rather write it off as if they never had it instead of God knew ahead what they had, got the healing power on them before they ever got a different report. But what if they had gone and got the report? They could have then said, no, it's dying and has to die because, Lord, you called it out. I command it dead and it must be gone. Whose report? Whose report will we believe? Faith comes by hearing. So we have to pay attention to what we're hearing. We have to question. Now, I'm not talking being critical. I'm talking about, okay, what are they saying? Because, Lord, what are you saying? And let me tell you, in these last days, you're going to have to become very proficient at hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you more so than the experts. Let me just ask this question. Who declared them experts anyway? Who's given, who has the say that they're experts? There's financial experts, health experts, education experts. Who gave them the title? 
What body of work have you researched to find out they're actually an expert? That's why we got to be careful what we hear or how we hear. Because today's social media, we're hearing all kind of stuff. Who says they are the legal expert of something that just occurred? I mean, there are body language experts. <laughs> they will watch a person's demeanor and then get on TV shows and break down who they are just by how they respond through their body language. You know how many people believe that those people are like that just because someone said, because faith comes by. There are 76 million people in our nation that have heard and believe that President Trump is still president. There are 76 million other people that have heard that Joe Biden is the president and is doing a phenomenal job. Don't laugh. Because I don't care about your opinion of either. My point is, is you're firmly persuaded about either one only based upon what you're hearing and the source of what you're hearing. Because I can find fault with all of it. Because my faith is not in a man, but in Christ. Oh, I would love to get around both of them and let them know. I have no opinion on the matter, but my king says, and it do you well to govern according to my king. Because you're not my savior. You think your economic policies help me? I'm in the kingdom economic system because your system, rust and thieves come. But in mine, moths can't touch it, rust can't get it, and thieves can't steal. Are you hearing me? But how many of us have gotten uptight about what we hear? I've actually been accused during election cycles that I was supporting Trump. I'm like, what's wrong with these people? I support Jesus Christ. I support policies that are favorable for the church. And I don't care what their name is as long as they're doing that. Because at the end of the day, somebody's going to get in there. So who in the world can we hope would yield to God some? And they don't even have to be a believer. I don't care whether they're a believer or not. I just need to know, will they yield? To the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. But we've become so sensitive in our little groups. Right? Leo, stand up, Leo. Leo, come down here, actually. Raphael, come down here. I usually do this, you know, a few times during my cycle of Anchor Faith Church, and I lose people every time I do it, but that's okay. It's true, I do. It's just because they're so shallow. I'm just going to call it for what it is. Do we look alike? But are we the same? 
If you know your word, you know we are. I wasn't raised like Leo. I have no idea what's been bombarded in his mind. I don't know about it. Don't know his childhood. Don't know his upbringing. Right? So I have no concept of that. I don't know about his either. Don't know about it. Now, he's not an authentic Puerto Rican. It's a joke between him and his wife. His wife was actually born in Puerto Rico, so she's authentic. He was born in Boston. Boston. So he's a, or actually Connecticut. Connecticut. So he's a Conrican. All right? Man, when people see this, they're going to get so mad. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh, they just called us. See, because you identify with the wrong nation. That's your problem. And I'm not going to apologize that you're all uptight about your little bitty island somewhere or your little plot of land somewhere. We got a kingdom. My dad actually owns the planet. He may rename it when it's all said and done at the end of the day. But all I know is Leo, he's born again. Oh, my gosh. And Raphael is born again, which means now we in the same family. And he's required us, no matter where we came out of, geographically, economically, socially. Right? That we got to change this to reflect our father. Where's your daddy live at? No, I'm talking about just, yeah. Where's he at? In heaven. Where's your daddy live at? My dad lives in heaven too, because he said our father. Right? Our father. So his dad, he talks to just like I, I'm talking to the same dad. I'm not talking to a different daddy. I'm not talking to a different daddy. So don't put me in a corner and say I can't identify with. I totally identify. Now, I can't identify with someone who only identifies with the outside. I can't identify because I'm not supposed to identify. I'm not supposed to regard any man in the flesh. I'm only supposed to regard because God said, I don't look at man on the outside. I look at his heart. I'll just be quite honest with you. I'm totally offended when you call me white anyway because I tan. I mean, I'm definitely mocha. Easy. I could bring you up some white people. We have a few. <laughs> They're white. <laughs> May they never let their legs see daylight ever. <laughs> it's like, whew, right? So it's true. There are some, but very few. Our faith is not predicated on our sight. So at the end of the day, anything against the kingdom, regardless of who it affects, I have a problem. Because I'm not identifying with the people, I'm identifying with my dad. And I'll do anything to bring liberation. Then I should bring a female up right now because Jesus was the greatest female liberator on the face of the planet. My gosh, was he a liberator of women. And why a woman wouldn't love Jesus, I have no idea. Because he is the liberator of women. Because in some places, women are still considered property in today's world. 
Jeez. That's hard to even fathom, but it's true. Are you hearing me? Thank you. Y'all be seated. Let me close with this passage. I'll pick up next week in this concept of hearing. James said in 1.22, he says, but prove... Hallelujah. Ushers, would you come? Just come on down now. I want you to come down now. I want my ushers down. I'm going to get some things moving real quick. Come on. Y'all get on, get on the line. Y'all come down. And I want my altar team to come down too. Okay? I just want you to get ready to distribute any uh, offering, um, not offering, but communion here. Okay? But prove yourselves doer of the word. Who was that person? They actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listening, listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning. Or we can say it this way, internalize it to the point that we say, Lord, we're doing your will because I don't live anymore. I'm letting you live through me and my will is your will. So I'm doing it. They delude themselves. They, by unsound reasoning, contrary to the truth, meaning... But the doctor says, I have cancer. But the doctor says. But my account says. But Lord, don't you know what she said to me? How can I stay in this marriage? But Lord, you know what that manager did. And yet he's saying, do this in this circumstance. Prove yourself a doer of the word by acting on what I say. And quit reasoning out another hearing that's contrary to what I'm saying. Quit doing it. Quit keeping your thought. Just go ahead and admit to yourself, I'm just really not that smart. But God is. And he loves me so much, he has a word from me that is the final say about this situation. If I act on it. It will be this way, period. Prove it. Believers today are so sensitive. Well, prove me that you believe that. Let me see you actually walk in love. Prove it. Because if you were, you wouldn't be talking behind somebody's back. You wouldn't be gossiping. You wouldn't be making an excuse for your actions as if it's okay based upon all that you're going through. I mean, I, we all go through stuff. And I'm not saying you can't converse with someone in the realm of being tight about it. But the problem is most of us aren't trying to get counsel. Most of us are just complaining. Because we feel this way. You know what they did to me? And half the stuff that's been done to you hadn't even been done to you. You just perceive it is. It's not even reality. It's your unsound reasoning, contrary to truth, that's fortifying your thinking, that's keeping you in this stronghold. Just like Joseph. If anybody could have said... Lord, you know what they've done to me. And now I'm going to tell this guy how to get his nation. 
out of a famine. Rod, I got this truth the other day about Joseph. It's not in my book, Cows, Crows, and Constellation. Joseph gave the king to answer the answer to all of his foreseen economic problem that would have devastated his nation, yet his nation never changed from his, their prejudice of him. And he still served him. Because when his brothers came into the house to eat, the Egyptians would not eat with Joseph, although he was the second most powerful man in the nation, because they loathed Hebrews. And the Pharaoh never did a policy to eradicate that racism. But Joseph didn't let that bother him. He didn't let it define him. Because he was in a kingdom not of this world. Wow. Talking about a man of faith. I said, what a man of faith. We've got to be doers of the word. Because what you're hearing is how you're, how you're living. Are you living under fear of another pandemic? Are you living under fear of a collapsed economy? Are you living under fear of our government going under? Are you living under fear that there's going to be such, um, um, you know, uh, racial injustice? Are you living under fear of that? Because these all could be out there, but are you living under fear because you hear it so much that you don't know that in Christ you've already conquered and that you've already been found with favor? And that he's always already called you to triumph. And that he already has a way of escape for you. And that he gives you the capacity to love those who don't love you because of the way you look. He has it. Will you live by faith? You got to choose. You got to choose. Because how you hear will dictate what you believe. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchorfaith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.